0: Hello and welcome to the January 2024 edition of the Project Edward podcast series. The theme continues from last year as we invite guests to set out their own role in the safe system. My name's James Lughurst, and in this edition we'll be hearing from the winner of the Premier 2022 Prince Michael International Road Safety Award, Professor Tim Nutbeam, who's director of the EXIT project which has been revolutionising extrication techniques. Tim will be talking to us about how the project has bedded in, where there's been resistance, and how its key points can be replicated elsewhere in the world. First though, we head to South Wales Police Headquarters to catch up with what is without exaggeration being the Principality's hot road safety topic of 2023, the default 20 mile an hour speed limit introduction on restricted roads. So let's meet two guests ready to discuss the value they think it brings and some other current matters as well.
1: My name is Mark Travis and I'm currently the Deputy Chief Constable for South Wales Police and my former role was uh, Head of Ops, which basically meant that I looked after all things um, that supported policing, in particularly including roads
0: policing and road safety. So what would you say was your role in the safe system?
1: Um, My role is to um, set a strategy for how policing will work across Wales to work with the four forces, our partners, and very importantly, our GoSafe team um, to create all of the right enablers Um, the right vision and the right resourcing to tackle um, uh, poor driver behaviour, to create an environment where the roads are a safe place to be um, and to encourage education and ultimately where necessary then to uh, ensure enforcement is in place. But it's about basically having a strategy and a vision, working with our partners and making the roads safe to be.
2: I'm Teresa Chano. I'm the partnership manager for GoSafe. I also chair Road Safety Wales and I'm a non-executive director and trustee of the Parliamentary Advisory Council for Transport Safety. So my role in in Safe System is to administer offences through use of technology on the road, so that's speeding mobile phones, not wearing a seatbelt. Also Operation Snap, which is where we take media footage from the public and uh, they can use that to report driving offences that they've witnessed to us. Um, But also in the wider partnership, it's around road user behaviour and that behaviour change. So either through education campaign initiatives, but also through driver education courses as an alternative for prosecution.
0: Perhaps I could get you both to reflect on the big development for 2023, the change to a default 20 mile an hour limit on restricted roads across Wales. I'm sure it's early days yet, but are you generally finding support for the change? Um...
1: It's been a challenging year, you know, to be be honest, in terms of bringing in such a fundamental change. We can all think back to when we started driving and how we used to be we have been in terms of 30 mile an hour speed limits. But of course, there are a thousand people a year who are killed or seriously injured on the roads in Wales. Um, And as a consequence, this change is likely to have an impact on saving lives. So I think it's important. Um, It's clear that... um, Many people favour, and some people don't. And what we've tried to do is work through the balance of advising the community about why we think this is important, working with them to understand their concerns, and then bringing it in in a measured way. What we really want people to do is moderate their speed. We don't want to enforce. So it's been challenging, but big things, things that really make a difference to people's safety into the community, do take time, and they, and they, you know, they involve some hard work. Um, I think we've got there. Um, but as ever, we
0: can always learn and we can, we can take views and feedback from, from the community. Teresa, what have the GoSave fans been doing then without enforcement in the past few months?
2: Well, we still enforce. Um, the change on the road network in Wales has gone from 37% of the road network in 30 and about 3% in 20 to a flip. So there's still 60% of the road network. We can go out and service It serves our communities, rural areas. And notwithstanding, some of the speed limits haven't changed. It's not a blanket. It's a default speed limit of 20. So whilst we've allowed a bed and in period for speed limits where the limit has changed... Um, where we've kept the sites and the speed limits are the same we're still out there we're still out in communities and notwithstanding the vans can enforce people using their mobile phones and not wearing seatbelts so we're still out we're being visible and we're going where we're needing where the intelligence tells us we need to go.
0: Let's talk about community support what kind of feedback do you get from communities across Wales as to what their priorities are and the things that, that concern them?
2: So my office gets the correspondence from the communities, and we have lots of requests asking us to go uh, and be a presence there to bring speeds down in their communities. People really do feel that they want, you know, to be able to go out and enjoy their community safely to walk, cycle, um, take the children to school safely. So we would get a lot of requests to go and serve communities. Very much so, we administer Community Speed Watch for Wales as well. So that's community volunteers who stand in in their villages. And then they report vehicles that are speeding to us. And we issue an advice letter on behalf of those communities. And it's really about sending that message that we don't want to enforce. We want compliance and to understand that we've all got a part to play in making communities safer for everybody.
0: Perhaps I could turn to you, Mr. Travis, with that. The the whole idea, I think it's in the National Police Chiefs Council roads policing strategy, that it is everybody's responsibility to police the roads. How do you interpret that?
1: I think there's a few things. I think this first is personal responsibility for us on our own behaviour, to make sure that we are driving and being considerate, that we're educating our children, educating the people that, who are around us, our friends and family, to make good decisions. I think there's also a responsibility on the public, um, where they see poor behaviour, to report that to us, uh, and where we can, we all take action. Um, and I think then, um, lastly, there is the um, there are people making uh, decisions and working with other people to make sure that we all behave in a way that is making our roads a safer place so some of those decisions are around um, environmental decisions the use of um, bikes um, the use of uh, you know non-polluting technology that brings our road speed down so there's lots of ways the public can get involved and obviously operation snap is one of those key ways where the public can help us to identify poor driving behavior
0: Let's talk to Theresa a bit more about SNAP then, because it gives the opportunity to take action against offenders. How can we encourage more people to be willing to call out bad behaviour on the roads in the way that there's a lot of encouragement to call out inappropriate behaviour in the workplace, for example?
2: Well, I think it's as Mr Travis said, we've all got a collective responsibility. But when we set up SNAP in Wales, and, and you know, we were the first police force to do that. Um, It was never about asking people to police the roads on our behalf. It was around responding to the communities who were already telling us that they wanted us to do something about the behaviour that they could use. And what we've tried to do is turn that around and show people when we've taken action against the poor driver behaviour. So you'll always have really the majority of people who will conform and who feel that sense of social injustice where they see people with poor driver behaviour. And if there doesn't happen to be a traffic officer or a police officer there, nothing perceivably can be done. But now with Operation Snap, they can report that to us. And I think it's about... Um, not being that silent majority who support us, maybe just saying, you know that's not acceptable. and we talk and um, we've worked with Keeley University and Leicestershire University as well, and it's about that collective social norm where we all drive responsibly, and it's the small minority of people that don't. And I think as we sort of get more and more used to that narrative, then hopefully that will make things better for everybody
0: and backing up snap, supporting it um is a partnership. Let's hear what you think, um, Mr. Travis, about the, the role of a partnership and, and how to find the right partners to work with police and, and who needs to be round the table to make these happen.
1: So partnership is really, really important for a few reasons. Firstly, because collective effort is likely to deliver a better outcome. So working together, working as a team, um, but also very importantly from a partnership point of view is we all have different data. So for example, we'll have data around us, from speed enforcement, um, the health service will have information about collisions, highways authority about average speeds. So by bringing all of that information together, we get the best intelligence picture and that helps us make well-considered decisions. Who needs to be around the table? Um, everybody, we need to be around the table. The people that make the decisions, the people that have the information, the people who manage the resources, be they financial or operational. Um, so for us, key partners, would be Welsh Government clearly around strategy and vision, um, working with the Highways Authority, working with local authorities, uh, the GoSafe Safe team, our blue light partners, including um, the uh, police, fire and ambulance, and of course then the voluntary sector. Uh, there are many, many people who have an interest and a passion for this who can bring and add to what we deliver as statutory partners.
0: Teresa, can I talk to you about the safe system? We we mentioned it a lot and and Project Edward has been passionate about spreading the understanding and the implementation of the the safe system. What what are your thoughts on making it perhaps more retail? Because it's, it's very much wholesale in that we are the business, we're the industry and we talk to each other about it. But how do I tell people that I meet at a motorway service area who've pulled in for a moment? I mean, what, what would they be able to understand about the safe system and how could they adopt it and, and be part of it? Because it does need everyone. It does.
2: And I think I would categorise that as there is no one definitive type of road user. You know, if if you speak to the general person on the road, then they all have with their collective responsibility. We all use different modes of transport. It's not unique that people drive just cars and don't cycle or walk. So I think it's about putting it into the common uh, narrative and I think it's about making people understand their collective behaviour and it's back to the social norming of um, it's such a big component that we've all, you know, there's lots of in- agencies, partnership agencies involved in that. And I think in Wales in particular, we've got a new road safety strategy coming up next year. It's likely to have safe system at its heart. And what that is, is around all of the collective partner agencies, health, local authorities, ourselves in um, policing as well, just getting the message out. And I think we've got to tailor messaging very differently. Some of that will be explaining the impact of, of road death or road collisions. And we do that through the legacy project um, where we've got people who share their collective experience. Um, we've got things like, um, snapped, which is where we say, look at this motorist and, you know, they were maybe fined. And I think that is a, is an important message. I've been involved in road safety since 2005. And we had the very graphic imaging, um, back then for our communications and marketing where, um, what we said was if you, Drive in a risky manner, then you're likely to cause a collision. But for most people, that's not true. Um, there's still a risk, but sometimes they get away with it. And I think then that makes the messaging a little bit more difficult. So we can still have that messaging around risk and collective responsibility, but it won't work for everybody. And it's just recognizing that we need to tailor the approach. Um, In Road Safety Wales, we look at cycle training for the new generation. We're standardising that for Wales. It's about trying to get as much positive messaging as we can about the part we can all play. Um, And and for some people, it would be... um, you know they would be determined to break the law and consistently um, and that's what to is for and then eventually they lose the license and um in GoSafe as well we do the administration for um operation tutelage which is the vehicles with no insurance we started reporting people as well for uh, sorry dealing with no uh, tax and mot and we're really p- um, proud to be part of that you know it's run by um Nurpoy, but We've got a small part to play in that, and that's around taking really determined dangerous drivers off the road, as well as getting the message to the general motorist that they've got a responsibility themselves.
0: Let's bring things to a conclusion. Um, Mr Travis, with Wales and its default 20, you're world leaders. Uh, I've heard from Scotland, for example, that they'd love what you've got. So how do you spread the word? What advice would you give to other jurisdictions looking at what you do and wanting to replicate it?
1: I, th- I think the first thing I would say is follow the data, um, have a have a really good case so that you can engage and explain to your communities what it is you seek to do and why. Um, I think very, very important that you have your partners who are working together to come up with effective solutions, um, lots and lots of communication to your communities, um, giving people an opportunity to comment on how things should be delivered, and then ultimately a really good operational plan to make it all land. Changing every road sign across the country is a really challenging piece of work to do, and then- having that in a lawful manner in which you can encourage engage um, and and actually help people to make the decisions for themselves enforcement has to be the last option it's the last thing that we want to do we want people to make wise decisions for themselves because they recognize it's the right thing that's going to keep them
0: and their loved ones safe dcc mark Travers from south wales police and teresa Chano from go safe wales Now it's time to hear about the Exit Project, a study funded by the Road Safety Trust and led by Professor Tim Nutbeam, which has led to some big changes in how people are rescued from crashed vehicles. Tim and the team collected the top Prince Michael Road Safety Award in 2022 for their work on the Exit Project, and I caught up with Tim recently, inviting him to remind anyone not familiar with it exactly what was the Exit Project and what were its key findings.
3: The EXIT project was a multidisciplinary collaboration where we worked with clinicians, operational specialists, fire and rescue services, biomechanists, statisticians, and many others uh, to consider the very early phases of post-collision care. Following a motor vehicle collision, about 40% of patients will remain trapped and how we approach these patients, how we get that initial phase right, is really important for starting the chain of survival which will keep this person safe and well and give them optimum outcomes from the point of injury all the way through to their rehabilitation and hopefully return to a normal and happy and healthy life. The key findings of the EXIT project were that applying a lens of of evidence-based medicine. So considering this phase uh, of care as we would a scientific medical project worked. And as a result of the collaboration and looking at this area deeply, we've come up with some new recommendations. I guess the principal findings are that we've got new, fresh insights into the injuries which people suffer following a motor vehicle collision. We've got an idea of how those injuries interact. So you can imagine a neck injury and a chest injury and an abdominal injury might all affect each other. We know that the rate of spinal cord injury that many people are worried about is relatively low when we look at all patients with extrications, less than 1%, but the rate of head injury, significant chest injury and abdominal injury is is higher. We demonstrated that some of the techniques that we use to get people out of their cars when they're trapped don't work as expected, and we've made some recommendations, for example, self-extrication, to try and speed up that process and to make it more patient-centered. Importantly, as part of the EXIT project, we spoke to patients and asked them what their extrication experience was like. And we know uh, that speaking kindly, explaining what's going on, holding a hand, all make a really positive impact to the patient experience. So I guess our key finding is that multidisciplinary collaboration works, uh, science works, and we need to regularly revisit these ideas so we get it right now and we get it right in the future.
0: It's disturbing to know that long-established extrication techniques based on minimising secondary spinal injury were not evidence-based and may even have contributed to injury and maybe even death. How were they allowed to remain as good practice for so long?
3: I think this is a really interesting question. And it's probably important to acknowledge that this isn't unique to this area of practice. And often in medicine and in operational care, we revisit what we've done for years and find out perhaps that it worked or perhaps that it wasn't working. So having our minds open to accepting that things might not have been ideal and working together to implement change is is a key part of uh, governance and ensuring that we're doing the right thing for our patients every time. I think in this particular case there was probably a lack of ownership So from a medical perspective, when a patient remains trapped, they might seem like they're owned by the Fire and Rescue Service in terms of how they're gonna come out of their car and what route that's gonna be. And from an operational, from a Fire and Rescue perspective, when someone's in their car and they're injured with their clinical injuries, and those injuries are gonna affect the extrication strategy, It probably looks like a a clinical problem to solve. I think the important thing is, is that through multidisciplinary working and the application of science, we've got a much better understanding of these initial phases of care. And we've started to work on the path, not only to put that right and to offer our patients an optimal experience and also optimal outcomes, which of course are super important, but also to regularly revisit this area of practice, to keep our eye on it, to keep it under the magnifying glass, to keep applying science to this area so that we can really consider the latest evidence and how we do our best by our patients.
2: Tim,
0: how well has the You Step Out Self-Extrication Guide been received?
3: So the You Step Out Extrication Guide is a tool to help disseminate some of the findings of the EXIT project one of the findings of the EXIT project was that traditional extrication techniques do not work as expected and that some of those techniques that we thought caused the minimum amount of movement caused lots of movement and some of those techniques which we thought caused lots of movement caused the minimum amount of movement and if we are worried about the movement of the spine and perhaps we are in a small group of patients who have potential spinal cord injury then If we want to minimize movement, we will ask the patient to initiate movements if they can, and that includes self-extrication, so that includes stepping out of the car themselves. Um, The You Step Out tool was a way of capturing some of the indications uh, and some of the checks and balances that you need to do before you ask someone to step out of the car. Uh, It's still only in its very nascent, primitive stages, and hasn't gone through a formal rollout process yet. The feedback that we've got is that it's understandable and people like it, uh, but we're still yet to evaluate it formally. And unfortunately, these things take time, uh, but we seem to be making small steps in the right direction. One of the
0: impacts listed for the project was that rescue times would be reduced and resources would be more effectively utilised and therefore available for other patients and patient experience would be improved. So from what you know, is is this now happening across the country? And are there promising results to show from any recent incident data?
3: One of the key findings of the EXIT project was that we needed better data in this area. So we needed better data around extrication times, the interaction between injuries and extrication, the interaction between kinematics and safety systems and injuries and extrication, and this first phase of post-collision, post-crash care. We've still got lots of work to do in this area, so we've not got the fidelity of data we'd like in order to answer this question. What I'd like to do is answer this question in the one, two, three years times when we have brought that data together and we can give more of an accurate picture of what's going on. From the data that is available, I can tell you that extrication practice is changing. For example, the number of roof-off type extrications we see as a proportion of total extrications is dropping. And we've certainly heard of some really positive stories of where the exit principles have been applied and patients have survived who perhaps would not otherwise have done so.
0: I guess as with any initiative, it's not going to draw 100% support from everywhere. So has there been any resistance to the new guidelines? And if so, uh, from whom and why?
3: So this is a really interesting one and in some ways i wish there had been more resistance and more feedback so that we could look to learn how we could do better in terms of disseminating the message and sharing best practice so the feedback that we've had has all been really positive and i'm super open to non-positive feedback as well but this is going to take time for many many years we've told clinicians and firefighters that small movements may kill a patient, may make their spinal cord injury worse. And we have to reverse a lot of what people have been trained and what people have been told over many years. So this is gonna take time. Um, It is incorporated into the guidance which guides paramedics and the guidance which guides fire rescue services. And we're looking at putting on some further consensus days and study days to look at particular aspects of that process gain consensus and fill in some of the gaps, uh, kind of dot our eyes and cross our T's so that we can move forwards with this
0: finally tim the prince michael awards stress the benefits of replicability so have other jurisdictions expressed interest or implemented this good practice themselves
3: uh yes uh this is really really exciting uh we've had contact from many different areas uh, around the world from australia from canada uh from parts of south america um from some southern african countries uh Malta, many, uh, Portugal, many places around the world. uh, And we've had support from the World Rescue Organization in terms of spreading these messages. So uh, we do hope that we are leading the way in this area and this will lead to uh, national and international change, which we're very excited by. Uh, We're currently working on a project which we hope uh, to get funding for, uh, looking at how the exit project principles might be applied across uh, a range of Southern African countries. Uh, Watch this space, hopefully I'll be able to update you more on this next year.
0: Professor Tim Nutbeam identifying some exciting outcomes from the EXIT project. And that's it for this first edition of the Project Edward podcast in 2024. I do hope you've enjoyed listening. Please share it, like it, subscribe and tell your friends. And we'll be back next month with more conversations centred on our partners and friends and their roles in the safe system. This programme is produced by Peter Baker. My name's James Luckhurst, and from us now, it's goodbye.